Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. So we were down at the lake the other day, as probably most of you were, because it's been like 400 degrees everywhere. And uh, we're at Fodiwaka Point, one of our most favorite places to swim, uh, because the kids can't go out too far, and then if they do go, do go out too far, they just simply disappear. And uh, it's great. It's like a life-saving exercise. Sarah obviously isn't at the lake when I go down. And, and we were down there, and a few of the crew were down there from church. If you ever want to bump into people from church, simply go to the lake, and you will find them somewhere. And we're sitting there, and it's like it's all good. It's just like just normal old lake time. It was really busy um, at Fodiwaka Point as everywhere has been really busy, and it was just standard old lake time, like the Chads were there, the Johnsons were there, JB and Liz were there, and um, uh, Sholto and Jenna turned up, like, it's just like, like church is happening everywhere, and it's just standard old normal lake, like the kids are, are playing in the water, some are lying on the beach, we're chatting to each other, and there's boats, and there's jet skis, um, up and down, Fodiwaka Point, and it's just, it's just totally normal lake time, super chilled, super relaxing, super nice, and there's a couple of jet skis that are maybe that far, you know, by the wall from us, and Atarea was like checking them out, and then this guy gets on his jet ski, he turns it around, and he it faces it away from the beach, and then full throttle, just goes, boof, and like... Like, like zero to 100 in about three seconds, just rips away from shore. Now, I am guilty of breaking the two, five knots within 200 meters of the shore rule and have been told off. So as soon as I see this guy rip out to shore, out from the shore on his jet ski, I'm like, bad move, mate. You are gonna, you're in the five knot zone. Like if the harbor master's here, you'll be getting a ticket. And in this, in this process of observing him race away from shore and thinking, bad move, dangerous move, what are you kind of thinking move? I look a little bit further and there's a swimmer way out past the two, by the 200 meter boy like with their arms up in the water. And I was like, flip, I think that person out there is drowning. And this guy, and what went immediately from somewhat judgment, like, I've been caught for doing this, how dare you do it, turned in immediately into it, go, go, you know, go fast, like, get, come hammer down, I'm sure that thing's got another kilometer an hour in it. It immediately shifted from when it went from being, uh, you know, what would, would have been deemed reckless in one context, it was still reckless in the next context, but it was reckless on purpose. This guy, now the person wasn't drowning, but flip, they looked like they were drowning. They were out there like with their head out of the wall, waving their arms up and down. So I'm glad no one was actually drowning. But from the shore, I would have sworn that person was drowning. And this guy's response was what I kind of initially condemned became commendable. I was like, good on you for seeing the need and good on you for being prepared to break the rules to get to the person to save them. 
He didn't allow the little five-knot sign on the fancy red and white striped boy to stop him. Can you, let's replay the scenario. The person is drowning. We see the guy on the jet ski. He gets onto his jet ski and he idles slowly and peacefully out to the person who's drowning. You would, then you would condemn the man for like, what are you doing? You have all the power and all the resource to go from the beach to the drowning person in about two and a half seconds. But because there's a little sign on a boy saying five knots within 200 meters of the shore, you idle out to rescue the person. When it's a scenario where every second counts. When it's a life on the line, when it's someone's future on the line, when it's someone drowning on the line, the five-knot sign on the little boy fades into insignificance when it's compared to the need to save a life, when it's compared to the need to reach the person who is in desperation, when it's compared to the need and the value of that which is at you know, stake, when you compare the value. You would not commend the person idling casually out to rescue them. You'd be saying and screaming from the beach, hurry up and get to the person. They are in desperate need. This is an image of the world that we live in. A world that is surrounded, a world that is drowning, a world that is struggling to stay afloat by the weight of their own sinfulness. And we as Christians are the ones sitting on the safety of the shore that are called and commissioned by God Himself to go into all the earth and preach the good news. To go into all the earth and rescue those who have not found the hope of Jesus Christ yet for themselves. The message through all of February is lawless love. Lawless love, not rules love, constrained love, but lawless love. A love that pushes past the boundaries. A love that looks over an offense. A love that looks past the, the do not enter signs that people so readily wear in front of them. Do not enter. You meet them all the time. Do not enter. I'll have a conversation with you, but when I want to talk about your faith, when I want to talk about your spirituality, when I want to talk about Jesus Christ, when I want to talk about your eternal salvation, whether it's in heaven or hell, there is a, a do not enter sign. Imagine if you're walking along a construction site. Big wire fence, temporary fencing. And inside the fence is heavy equipment and large deep excavations as they plan to build a high-rise apartment. And if you're going to go high, you've got to go low. So they busted the earth open, ready to fill it with concrete and reinforcing. And as you walk along there, you look inside and a small child has found an opening in this fence Fueled by their curiosity for heavy equipment and everything messy, they've infiltrated the fence. And it catches your eye, but as you look down the fence, all over the fence is do not enter, construction site, hard hat, steel cap boots, high-vis vests, gloves, overalls, inductions, first aid certificates, you know, and then goes back the other way, you know, over, over, over. And there's all these reasons for you to keep out, and they're all valid. 
You can agree with every one of those signs. But there's something that is more valid than those signs. It's the validity of the human life that is at stake on the other side. And that small child, totally unaware of the dangers and pitfalls that may lay before them, what do you do? You jump the fence and you rescue them. You ignore the signs, do not enter, keep out construction site, because what is more important than obeying the rules is the human life that is at stake on the other side. And we can meet people all the time, and wherever we go around the place, and they've got do not enter. This is, trust me, this is a hard hat zone if you come in here. You'll need your steel toe boots if you want to have this conversation. You'll need your high-vis vest if you want to broach this. But lawless love makes a way where there would seem to be no way. Lawless love is not brutal love. It is not a, a commanding, authoritative, I will, I will just tell you whether you want to hear it or not love. It is a love that makes a way where there was no way. It is a love that doesn't obey the signs that says keep out because everyone actually wants you in. Everyone actually wants Jesus Christ in. It's just an offense or a hurt or a mindset that is keeping them out. And Galatians 5 is a great start. And it's the uh, scripture that every single child that has ever gone through kids' ministry will have sung and known off by heart. Galatians, Ephesians. Here we go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts and Romans, follow on, then Corinthians, and then it's General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. <laughs> there you go. Church kid right here. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc., etc. But love is the first in all things. The greatest commandment God gave is love. And he says, and against such things, there is no law. There is no law against how much you can love someone. There is no law against pouring love out of you. Before that, it gives another list of things which have a law against them. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, discord, jealousy, factions. There's a law against these such things, but then he goes on, but the fruit of the Spirit have no law against them. There is no limit to their use. There is no constraint. There is no code. There is no, there is no conduct attached. It is, there is no law against pouring out the Spirit of love into someone else's life and to pour it out from you. And this month, lawless love is what we're all about. Pouring it out on the undeserving. Pouring it out on the dry ground. Pouring it out on the hard heart. Pouring it out on the confused spirit. Those ones around your life that would say, do not enter. Pouring out love. Love makes a way where there was no way. Love softens the hardest of hearts. Love stills the most troubled of minds. Love shows someone that you care about them more than you care about yourself. This is the example of Jesus Christ, that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. I think this is in Romans. And it says, someone may die for a good person, 
But while we were still sinners and powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He's saying someone might die for a good person, but all you, you people, you sinners, you're not worth dying for. But Christ, even while we didn't know the current state, of our humanity, the current state of our eternity. He loved us enough to make a way to us. In this, we take on the same spirit as believers, the same spirit of love that lays down itself for the benefit of another person. If you've watched Hacksaw Ridge, you'll have vivid imagery around this. A soldier who refused to take up a gun, but he rather chose to pick up his fellow soldiers and carry them wounded back to safety. Time and time again, he laid down his life for the wounded, for the hurt, and for those who could no longer help themselves. He picked them up and he carried them back to safely. That is lawless love. I will not pick up a gun, but I will pick up my fellow human man. I will not pick up the argument, but I'll pick you up in prayer. I will not pick up the offense, but I'll, I'll pick you up and I'll love you and I'll care for you and I'll support you through whatever you're going through. And, and this is the love that Jesus Christ has poured into us that we need to lawlessly pour from us with no prerequisites. Everyone is worthy of love. No one has wronged you so much that you are not worthy of love because no one has wronged you as much as you have wronged Christ. No one has wronged you as much as you have wronged Christ. And if Christ overlooks our wrongs, if he carries us in our times of weakness, if he heals us in our time of sickness, if he stands with us in our times of loneliness, then this is our service as Christians to do unto others as we would have them do unto us, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. This is the call and the commission. This is not a grow the church campaign. This is a be a Christian campaign. To lawlessly love, to pour out ourselves that someone else may benefit from it. That someone else through our salvation and our faith would find their own salvation and their own faith. A great illustration of this is John chapter 4 when Jesus meets a woman at a well. It says this, that Jesus learned, I'll skip a little bit earlier, and he was on the move because these Pharisees were on his tail. So he left Judea and he was going back once more to Galilee. Now, between Judah and Galilee was Samaria. And if you were a Jew, a Samaritan was known as a dog. They were the lowest of society. They were a half-breed of Jew and some other nation, and they were despised by the Jewish people. And Samaria was directly between Galilee and Judea. So traditionally, a Jewish person would walk up the Jordan River to the boundary of Samaria. They would then cross the Jordan River into different territory. They would go up the other side of the river. They would then cross back over the river and carry on to Galilee. They would do all that they could to avoid even putting a foot in Samaritan territory. Now, Jesus Christ is a rabbi. He is a teacher. He is a man of standing and stature in Jewish culture, in Jewish education, and in Jewish religion. That's why his disciples called him rabbi, because he was one. 
But it says this, now he had to go through Samaria. And sometimes we've just got to go where we don't want to go. Sometimes we just have to do what culture should say we shouldn't do, what religion should say we shouldn't do, what our past should say we shouldn't do, even what our current should say we shouldn't do. Everything was saying to Jesus, you shouldn't go through Samaria, but something was telling him he had to go through Samaria because there was a woman waiting at a well that needed to have a lawless love encounter. And Jesus turns up, he came, and now he had to go through Samaria, and he came to a town called Sychar. I'm not known for my pronunciation. It was near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. They are in at the local kebab store. Peter's ordering an all-meat kebab. John is trying to get a vegan kebab. And the tax collector's trying to figure out how they can claim their GST back on their purchases. So they're all in town fighting and fussing over where they're going to eat. And Jesus is out at this well all alone. And it's all a setup. And this woman turns up. She said to him, well, he says, Can I have a drink, please? The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Class says we shouldn't talk. Culture says we shouldn't talk. Gender says we shouldn't talk. Education says we shouldn't talk. Location says we shouldn't talk. Everything about the scenario says we shouldn't talk. Everything about the scenario says do not enter this place. Do not enter this conversation. Do not enter this life. Do not enter this mess. Do not enter what is going on. And Jesus is starting to set her up by getting in through the do not enter sign. Can I please have a drink? Are you able to serve me? He opens up this woman's heart and she says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Look, it's even in there. Um, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everybody is thirsty. Everybody is thirsty. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock? Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will well up in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. The woman replied, Sir, give me this water so they won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to draw from this well. This is one of the great illustrations of lawless love. Jesus had to go through Samaria. There's a woman there who needed a love encounter. And every day, every week, there's people in our lives that are needing an encounter with lawless love. Needing someone to engage with them, someone to connect with them, not preach to them. Jesus didn't say, all right, sit down, woman, I've got a three-point message you need to hear. This is going to change your life. No, he, she knew, he knew she was thirsty and needed a drink. 
not thirsty just physically, but she knew on the, he knew on the inside she was parched, that she'd been drinking from all the wrong cups, relationship after relationship after relationship, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, hurt after hurt after hurt, pain after pain after pain. She'd gone through the motion, and each time she went to drink from a new cup, she had hoped that it was going to be different from the previous cup, but every time it left her parched on the inside. And then the lawless love of the Messiah Emmanuel, God with us, enters her life and everything begins to change. It's life-giving love. It's hope-giving love. It's, it's faith-giving love. It's destiny-changing love. It's love that sees the person out in the water and says, I have to go and help that person. I have to reach that person. I have to do all that I can with the power and the faith and the strength that I have to reach that person that they should not perish but they would at least, if nothing else, have the opportunity to taste and see that God is good. We live in a world that is thirsty. We live in a world that is parched, but we must first have the well in us that the world may drink and taste from us that their own well may spring up. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.